We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster T.O. and Fanta podcast, the DTF podcast. I feel very left out here on this Monday morning uh, for the people that are listening to this. Uh, John and John and Terrence just spent the last 10 minutes talking about all of the details of their CAA broadcasting and the fact that they are the go-to voices of the Colonial Athletic Conference, uh, talking about coaches, talking about players, talking about games that they watch. And I still feel so left out. This is the first time that I've spoken uh, on this Zoom in about 10 minutes, I would say. Um, and if you guys listen to this, you know I like to hear my own voice. So I feel very left out in the moment. But gentlemen, what's going on, man? It was a, it was a great, great, great weekend of college basketball. Um, a lot of storylines, a lot of things to dive into. Kansas State, baby, the Big Ten is completely, I, I just, I don't even know what to make of it. We got a lot to get into. First and foremost, though, gentlemen, how are we doing? Terrence, how you feeling, man? Man, I am fantastic. I'm happy to be here with you. There's a lot, been a lot of good stuff happening. I had the chance to call a Charleston game. You talk about CAA. That was fun. Uh, and, but I hate that you're in your feelings, Doster. Other than that, life's good. Played my first church league game. I think I went two of 34 from the field. <laughs> Couldn't throw it in the ocean. But did end up with 15, 6, and 6. So, Damn. like, running clock, running clock, 15-minute halves. I'll take the, that stat line. Got to the free throw line. Needed to get to the free throw line because I couldn't throw it in the ocean. There you go. Let me, you know what? Let me ask you guys this real quick since you just mentioned it. Charleston, they're ranked. They look like they are for real. T.O., Fanta, you guys both said this while we were off air, that they are for real. Fanta, just br- kind of break down this team. That, like, what? Why are they so good? Because I've I've watched, like, snippets of them here or there. I watched some of the games earlier on in the year when they played in the, uh, like, the Charleston Classic games that they, they won. So what is it about this team that makes them so good? You don't know where it's coming from, from yeah. their offense. They've got different scoring threats that are versatile and quick. You look at where they are, Kempom adjusted tempo. They sit at 37th in the country. Top 80 offense, top 100 defense. You're not going to see that, that completeness from a mid-major. But Charleston's got it. And Pat Kelsey has his team off of a miss. They're better defensively than they get credit for. I think yep. T.O. would agree. Off of a miss, they're running. As an outlet passing team, they're up there with the best teams in the country. They, they get... They get up the floor so quickly. And, guys, their guard play is balanced, unique in its own way between Ryan Larson, Rain Smith. Uh, I look at Dalton Bolin as the tone setter. Dalton Bolin, his nickname is Psycho D. Anybody with a nickname of Psycho D tells me that you are a leader, that you are energy constantly. And that reflects his head coach, Pat Kelsey, who – demands hard work if folks if you haven't seen or heard pat kelsey in an interview or in a setting just watch him coach a game or listen to him for a couple minutes you're going to want to run through a brick wall because that's what pat's done they've got a, a big in 
Ante Berzovic, who's the glue that keeps it all together. I, I think he's their most important player, Terrence, just because he can rebound the ball. He's uh, a, You can get him back to the basket. He makes things happen in the post. But to me, the thing with Charleston is you can't sit there and say, we're going to take this away because it could easily come from somebody else. And, and for me, their win over Delaware over the weekend, Ben Burnham keeps stepping up and he comes in off the bench. And that tells you they've embraced their culture. It doesn't matter who starts the game, who comes in off the bench. They are a legit force to be reckoned with because they're very difficult to guard, T.O. They are. And it is sometimes even Ante Bursevich, who's 6'10", 235 pounds, he gets a board and he'll just initiate the break himself. There's no outlet. Like, they have yeah. so many different guys that get a board and go. Dalton Boland came from West Liberty. He's in his sixth year of college hoops. He used to teach a class at West Lib. He taught a class at West Liberty, his D2 school, before transferring to College of Charleston. That says all you need to know. They've got all these old dudes, and they have a guy in Ryan Larson who settles things down, a Wofford transfer. Guys, they're old. They all fit the mix of a bunch of guys that really want to win at the Division One level, and they keep getting better because they, they're still learning how to play with each other. But a couple things, they're about the right stuff. They all run their butt off, and none of them have to play above, like, 23, 24 minutes. And whenever you're able to do that, you can empty the tank and know you're coming out. You referred to Burnham, Fanta. He he scored six or eight straight points in the second half, had two blocks, four rebounds, and he, he did it in a three-and-a-half-minute span, and then he sat his butt down at the media. Like, it was, it was just like one thing after another. They're a mature team. They're an old team. They play really hard. You go from Bursevich to Babacar Fai, who's just another 6'9", 210-pound athlete, that can get a rebound and just go, that, that's an impressive bunch. I, and there's just so many guys. And Pat Kelsey, I, I know people are going to question, like, has he done enough? But you want somebody that can showcase a program, somebody that's going to be able to recruit. He's got a top 30 recruiting class in the country. Let me ask you this. Texas. Are they, are they good enough? Are they good enough to right now? They are like in that kind of 10, 11 seed line in mm. most bracket projections, right? They are 51st in the net. Um, they're top 100 on Kempom. The issue with them right now is that a lot of these like kind of middling wins that they picked up Colorado State, Richmond, um, mm -hmm. Old Dominion at Towson, they Virginia Tech's Virginia yeah. Tech's lost four in a row. Um, Davidson, like those are all quad three wins. Virginia Tech is now a quad two win. Their their second best win right now is at home against Kent State. So yeah. I, I think that if they keep winning, they're gonna have a chance to be an at-large team. That what yeah. that whether it's a 10, 11, 12 seed, I think that they're probably gonna be good enough to get in, even if they don't win the CAA tournament. Let me ask you this though. Um are they good enough to win a game once you get to the dance? Like, is this a team that can make a run to the Sweet 16? Are they that dangerous? Are they the 12-5 upset that you're locking in right now that you got to take? Oh, if they're a 12, that five just got a death sentence. That's <laughs> a horrible – that would be a horrendous draw for a five seed. Yeah. Horrendous. Because you're playing a team with grown men that moves the basketball. You know who they remind me of? They remind me of Mike Young's Wofford team a couple years ago. That ended up in an eight nine game, I want to say, and seven, seven ten. It was Kentucky that they played. Remember seven ten. They played yeah. Seton Hall. They beat Kentucky, Seton Hall, right? In and the they played round. Kentucky, and they were right in the game. I think mm -hmm. that it'll be a similar arc for for Charleston. I think they will win a tournament game. I, I would not want to play them on four or five days where they can prepare and Kelsey can get his dudes ready. To you've seen them, so you know what I mean by this. They are such a connected team. And nothing rattles them at all. They just yep. play. They're a next play team. That, that's what I always look for. And this year, that's really important. And then you're asking me, could they make the Sweet 16? Yes, they could. Do you know why? We don't know in this sport right now who the best 16 teams are. And we sure as hell aren't going to get the best 16 in March Madness because the system as is doesn't give us that because it's the best postseason, the wackiest postseason in sports. So they are good enough. Wednesday night is huge. A terrific matchup at UNCW. Takale Siddle has done an amazing job taking over in that position for Kevin Keats and rolling with the Seahawks. I really like 
that team. They, they've got a couple of kids, Shaquem Phillips, Trezarian White, Malik Harden-Hayes. They defend the hell out of you guys. Their defense is elite. So it's Charleston's terrific offense against UNCW's great defense. Wilmington has a very underrated home court advantage. It'll be rocking there. And UNCW on the season, guys, they have three losses. The losses came to North Carolina, UConn, and Oklahoma. That's it. They've won 13 in a row. They're really good, and that's a huge game for Charleston. If Charleston wins that game at Wilmington on Wednesday, then, man, are they set up. They are really going to be set up. Mm -hmm. All right, so before we get into our overreactions of the week, um, I do think that one of the biggest narratives of this college basketball season is that there really is no great team. There's no definitive number one team in college basketball. One of my takes, T.O., is that – uh, I, I don't. I think that there's a bunch of teams that in a normal year would be like the seventh or eighth best team in America. There's a dozen of them, but I don't think that there's anyone in a normal season that you'd look at and say, okay, that's one of the best teams in college basketball. Am I right? Am I wrong? What do you think? I, I would argue to the contrary. That's what I was saying earlier, I'm pretty sure. But I would argue to the contrary uh, because there's just more talent in the field this year. That extra year of eligibility changes everything. I mean, look at some of the guys that are playing well this year. It's... It's not just one team. It's not just two teams. Look how old Tennessee is. UConn's got old guys. Like Joey California, the dude's old. Like, And he's a he's a crucial piece if they're going to win. Whenever they need to win ugly, they need somebody to spark them off the bench. He's a big guy, and he's an extra year guy. So there's a lot of players that are in that mix. I think it broadens um, the talent across the top of college basketball, and I think it's a good thing. I would almost argue to the contrary to where like these teams are such good teams – that you had all this talent, maybe in 2015, you've got three or four that are in the top five or six. Like, because there's so much more in the pot this year, if that makes sense. So who would be, both for both of you guys, who would be the top tier this year in college basketball? Because I think that's a really interesting conversation. Yes. So I've got a top tier. And it was hard to put together. Honestly, I don't think that there's a ton of separation here, and I do think any one of these teams could beat the other on a given day. I have eight teams. Okay. Eight teams in my top tier. Here we go. Houston, who I want to say right now, I think in two or three weeks, everyone's going to be like, they're the best team in college basketball. They're number one. They're the best team, which they are number one in the AP poll. They're number one in my Fox Sports Weekly rankings. They play in the American, so it's going to be an easy take for people to make. Don't overreact. I think they're really, really, really good. But when you play in a conference like that, it skews our, our thinking sometimes of you. Houston's one. Kansas is in Tier 1. They've more than proved themselves. Tennessee's in Tier 1. Yukon mm -hmm. stays in Tier 1. Absolutely, they do. Purdue gets respect from me because I actually thought Purdue just had their most impressive week of the season. They lost at home to Rutgers. I thought for sure they'd lose another game. I really, I would have picked them. I mean, I thought Ohio State would beat them. Purdue showed me something this week. So they mm. stay in Tier 1. Alabama, absolutely in Tier 1. And, yep. and the biggest surprise in Tier 1 from what I thought at the start of the season, Arizona and UCLA. Yep. I'm there with that. Yeah, that, that's, that's Tier 1. I, I would be – remiss not to throw a couple of others kind of in that well I guess I would go tier two I mean it's still pretty big as well I mean there's just a lot of teams I like that was it eight that you is had there someone I'm missing is there someone I'm I don't missing think so I don't think so maybe Texas but they've had so much going on it's just so difficult for those kids they're top 20 in both offense and defense John they've got their X's and O's guys still there and Bob Donwald uh Rodney Terry's done a fine job so far can they be at that part without their coach just don't know, right? So I think they would go down to tier two, but those eight, it's it's hard for me to find fault in any of those. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say is I'm not 100% convinced that Arizona should be at that level at, in this very moment. And we can get into why later on. That's a tease for one of our overreactions, but yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about them. Um, but beyond that, I, I, think, I think you're exactly right. I, I just – my thing with Houston is – I don't think we're really going to be able to know what they are. Like they, they basically play Memphis twice and that's it the rest of the year. Right. I don't yeah, think that exactly. there's anything else on their schedule that, that is going to, that kind of pops off. So um, I think it's kind of, they're in a little bit of that Gonzaga situation, right. Where it's hard to really know what exactly they are. 
Um, because if even if you look at some of the wins that they have so far this year, like their best win is probably St. Mary's at this point, right? It's either St. Mary's or at Virginia, depending on how you feel about either of those two teams. And I wouldn't put either of those two teams no. in the conversation for a contender for like even the Elite Eight, you know. No, St. Mary's um, St. Mary's is in the top ten of Kimpom. Yeah, but in oh, yeah. the St. Mary's, like, they're, they're sneaky. The numbers are really good, but like it's St. Mary's. Uh, they've what what have they done to prove that they are that good, right? I get it, but they also lost to Washington. They lost at home to New Mexico. They lost to Colorado State. So I, I yes, they they look very good in the computer numbers, but like they have four losses, and yeah. three of those losses are to non-tournament teams. Yeah, like I, I just <laughs> what are we doing? This right. is this is an example of why like sometimes Kempom can be a little bit flawed when you're. Um, when you're looking at things, well, I don't, Creighton's like, at number seventeen at nine and seven on Kempo. Like that's that that's also an issue. Yeah, that's, there's there's two yeah. sides of that. Um, yeah, well, there's a those there's a with Colt Brenner and without Colt Brenner Creighton team. Yeah, that one's pretty obvious. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm with you there. I'm at kind of at the point where I would say the Kansas is the team that I'm most scared of in college basketball right now. I don't know if they're the best team. Uh, <laughs> How the waves I'm, change over the last month yes. for you. Well, they found a way to get KJ Adams going, man. Like we, I, we said it last week. You don't, we don't need to re- reiterate this, but when you have that five man that can kind of space the floor and do what he does, and they've bought into this idea of fully going five out and just, I mean, there's a lot of ball screen actions, a lot. What, what do you call it, the zoom actions that they run? The, the Bill Self got really creative. Yeah. And you've done a really good job with it. And, and, and the only and, loss and KJ they had Adams is still team. puts pressure on the rim, even though he's not posting up in a traditional manner. Like, mm-hmm. like he's still got rim pressure there. And you have probably, dude. I'm telling, I'm, I'm, Dewan, man, like, got to be one of the best point guards in the country. And his stats don't stand out like crazy, but like Kansas has a point guard that you talk about point guard playing the tournament. Like he's going to make it happen. Like he's mm-hmm. he is so impressive. Plus he got all those question. guys. I think KJ Adams is just. He's such a lob threat and such a good athlete that he just he rolls so fast. Like there's a, there's some guys that are rim rim threats that roll and they're huge. Like Udoka Azubuki was huge. Like KJ Adams is just fast. Like he covers ground so quickly and he explodes so quickly that like it, it, he just adds a different element to that team. Here's my question. Okay. Would you rather be in Kansas's role where when you turn the page to March, you've just gone through two plus months of seeing anything and everything on levels of toughness or would you rather be houston we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who maybe had a chance to kind of coast at times. And might be better off for it and fresh. Honestly, I think I'd rather be in Houston shoes. If if you if you know that you have the same quality of team, because I think the AAC is good enough where you're not necessarily going to fall into bad habits playing over and over against them. Like you still have to play well, whereas Gonzaga can kind of show up and 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 win a lot of these games in normal years in yeah. WCC. Um, if you're a coach, you definitely want Houston. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be as banged up. You're not. It's not going to be as physical. You know. You're not going to. I think you have less to worry about with like um, tired legs, maybe maybe less sprained ankles or hamstring injuries or kind of muscle fatigue, things like that. So, I think it's also less of a mental wear and tear. The thing I'd be worried about is people just kind of um, fading in and out, right? Like with, yeah. with Kansas, you know, those guys are going to be locked in for the next yeah. three months. And whereas, and at Kansas, you're going to have experience in close games. 
and mm-hmm. in a tournament, that's obviously a huge thing. I, I think to be contrarian, like you want those tournament type atmospheres, those tournament type last four minutes of the game situations. Yeah, and now it is much harder over the course of the entire season. I, I understand that, but I'm I'm speaking strictly from a pre- preparation standpoint of the NCAA tournament, pending that both teams stay healthy through the rest of the season. Right? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of banging going on in Big Twelve, but like, you know, at the same time, if you're able to stay healthy, I think I'd rather have Kansas's position, especially with the talent they have. I think that's a hell of a caveat. But if they're able to stay healthy, I, I would want Kansas's just because I'm more prepared for the tight games that happen in March. Yep. All right. Time to get into the overreactions. I got six minutes on the clock for each one of these. That's mostly to make sure that uh, that none of us ramble too much. Um, so we're going to start with this overreaction. Number one, Kentucky and Indiana are both going to miss the NCAA tournament in the year of our Lord. 2023 fancy. You're shaking your head. That's an overreaction. That's an overreaction. Indiana will figure something out. I'm disappointed in them. I know that they are hurt. I get it with Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson. But Jalen hood Shafino goes for 33 points, and you lost at home to Northwestern. Now, credit to Chris Collins' group. He's got mm-hmm. veterans. They need to win this year. It's a great win. Northwestern would be in the NCAA tournament today. Having mm-hmm. said this, Indiana, what happened to you defensively? What is going on? You were up 22-4 to on Iowa. You took your foot off the gas. You were ready to play the game. You took your foot off the gas. I sense at times Indiana lacks urgency. I sense complacency from Indiana. I get the sense with Indiana, how have they gotten better? Well, in reality, they haven't. Trace Jackson Davis is a great player. He's a great player. But I brought this up. There are some guys who have returned. They've been in college basketball so long that at some point it becomes a dog with old tricks that, that people have caught up with. And Indiana to me doesn't, I don't sense anything like where's the tweak coming from or where's the change coming from. I think they are who they are. I think could Shafino special. And I think they'll have enough to get there to get to the NCAA tournament. Kentucky's in danger mode. They are. The one, SEC- one thing real quick on Indiana. They also have a win at Xavier and a win over North Carolina, two quad one wins already. Mm-hmm. And they play in a big 10. That is a little bit, uh, I think it's a little bit softer than the SEC. Go ahead, Fanta. Right, exactly. Indiana has racked up a couple of quality wins, the the quad one wins, like you said, going to Xavier and winning. That win has now, I think if Xavier and Indiana played today, Xavier would win. But that was early in the season, and this happens in college basketball where wins either grow in value or, like we were talking about with Charleston, they played some teams they thought would be good or decent, and then the, the win doesn't have the same value. Here's the deal with Kentucky. Kentucky, I'm concerned about. And if you're a Wildcat fan, you should be too. Kentucky is 0-4 against Quadrant 1. They do not look capable of beating one of the teams we listed in Tier 1, and I don't think they're capable right now of beating anybody in Tier 2. Well, the FCC's got plenty of those teams in Tiers 1 and 2. And Kentucky's schedule, when you look at it, what, they're at Tennessee this Saturday? They're winning that game? No chance. They're not winning that game. Their SEC Big 12 Challenge game is against Kansas. You think they're going to beat Kansas? I don't see it. It ain't happening. The game might be in Lexington. doesn't matter to me. They're 0-4 against Quadrant 1. They have nine combined wins against Quad 3, Quad 4. They have one Quad 2 win. They haven't done anything. If their name wasn't Kentucky, we wouldn't be talking about them. We wouldn't be talking about them. They haven't gotten better. Their offense isn't good. I don't see it. They gave up. When was the last time that you saw a Kentucky team quit in a situation like that? Terrible. He kind of rolled over and died at Alabama. And Alabama was good. But that, good. that was the first time that was the first time that I, I watched Kentucky and I was like, I don't even think the fight's there, right? There's look, I, I know that they, they lost by 10 to, to UCLA and they lost at Gonzaga by 16, but they were they were competing in that. They made a couple runs late and they got smacked around by Missouri. But again, they, they made a couple runs late. They just rolled over and died at Alabama. That's that was the biggest red flag to me. Yeah, it's it's the ultimate mismatch in terms of styles. And when I just one team tries to do one thing, when another team try like Nate Oates and how they try to push the ball and play small and shoot threes and play with pace and all that stuff. Kentucky pounds the air out of the ball. And like that's that's kind of what that happens. But going back to your question, am I worried about Kentucky? If you look at their schedule, a win over Michigan. 
but went over LSU, who played them tight, and LSU's number 80 on Kim Palm. So it's like LSU's been fine, but Kentucky, it's like, when are you going to get your marquee win? They need something soon. Like, if they can win at Tennessee, that changes the tone a little bit. That's going to be very difficult, though. They're not winning that game. <laughs> there's ten, Tennessee can throw bodies at Big Sheep. Bodies, <laughs> plural. Like, it's unbelievable. If 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 they can win at Tennessee, right? If they can win at Tennessee. Like, you know what? If I win the lottery, then that'll bring my gambling winnings into the positives this year, right? Yeah, like, it, exactly, right. I mean, like, it's it'd be like talking about me being in the swimsuit edition this summer. It ain't happening. I'd buy that calendar. I know, I know you would <laughs> buy it too. Uh, here's the here's the deal too. I might have to get an NIL deal with a calendar now that you say. It. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, here, here's the deal though. Whereas the Big Ten, twelve of the Big Ten's fourteen teams are in the conversation for a tournament bid. Hmm. The top of the SEC is great, but the SEC's back half, as you fellas know, is not particularly strong. Yeah. So Kentucky, where they sit, they're at a crossroads. Like they're literally at a crossroads in the net. They're 46 in the net. There are six SEC teams ahead of them in the net. The net actually does a good job summing up the SEC. So they're I don't think they're good enough to beat four or five teams in the SEC, whether at the games in Lexington or there, the next highest team in the net in the SEC is Florida at 70. So my point is, it's not like this league has infinite chances to get resume wins. Yeah, mm-hmm. No, you're I right. I, I know time is going pretty short, but just to reference Indiana real quick, I think Race Thompson meant more to that team than just the numbers. Like, I, as soon as he got injured, and Iowa was making a bit of a run, there's no doubt. But as soon as he got injured, it was like they, they let the air out of a balloon a little bit. It was like, man. They like, are a mess defensively without Yeah, him. well, like, let, me, let me just say this. If, they're, they're, up. They're if it's mess. close, if it's close, both teams are getting the benefit of the doubt. And yes. I have a feeling it's going to be close. Like, so yeah. I'd be shy. I think it's an overreaction. Yes. Uh, all right. So overreaction number two might have an impact on overreaction number one. The Big 12 can get not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but eight teams into the NCAA tournament this year. T.O., overreaction or no? No, that's a proper reaction. And so many different teams, so many quality wins. That's that's the big thing that you look at in terms of this. Look at Baylor. Everybody think, do you, do you guys think Baylor's a tournament team? Do you think Baylor's a tournament team? Yes. They're 0-3 in conference. Yeah, like that's not vacuum, gonna last. Yes. Yeah. You know the in last time Scott Strew was 0-3 in, in Big 12 play? I don't know. 2006, the, the year yeah. that he wasn't allowed to play any non-conference games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk about the guy that talk about the job that guy's done a little bit later. But they, they have tournament teams at the bottom of the league right now. The only team that I was apprehensive about is Oklahoma, and they've been much better than a lot of people thought. So mm-hmm. that that entire league on a night-to-night basis, they're gonna beat the heck out of each other. And there's no shame in going, what is it? How many league games they play? They play 18 league games. Mm-hmm. If you're, it, there's no shame in going, you know, seven and whatever that is, seven, 11, eight and 10. I don't know. My math is terrible, but like, there's no shame in that record. You're going to get into the tournament with those records. Like, I, I think that's, that one's pretty easy to see. Uh, shockingly enough, our guys at Kansas State continue to be good. And it's, you know, when they're, you, they were picked at the bottom, guys, they were picked at the bottom. And now they're performing at the top. Like it's 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 a league that is relentless on every given night. I think you can get eight, possibly nine in there. Yeah. So the biggest issue is going to be, I think every team in the league is in a vacuum good enough to get in. But the problem is someone's going to go 4-14 in league play. That's right. It might end up being Texas Tech. You know, so like it, it's just there's going to be some team that doesn't get it going. The bottom falls out. And, and once they kind of hit a point where they know their season's done, it, the the motivation is going to stop being there. So that's my big only issue with them getting more than eight in is that I just don't think that there's enough. Like someone has to lose. It's a zero sum game. You either mm-hmm. win or you lose. Right. Right. Very very important game in the Big Twelve on Wednesday night in Morgantown. Baylor at West Virginia. I'm starting to get concerned about West Virginia because 
they were up at Kansas State. They raced out to like a 17 to 2 lead in that game. Mm-hmm. They unraveled. Mm. And I really like Stevenson and what he does for them. And I think they've got some quality talent better than they've had. Uh, Toussaint was a was a nice ad for Huggy Bear. But guys, defensively, West Virginia can have lapses. They 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 couldn't guard against Kansas State. They've had trouble guarding it as well in other areas. And I'm I'm worried about the Mountaineers here now at 0-3 in conference play. You know, can they recover? Well, of course they can, but you know, you didn't beat Oklahoma State. You you got run by Kansas. That's to be expected. But I'll tell you what, you don't want to be 0-4. So that home game against Baylor is now a massive, massive game on Wednesday. It's got to be the most important conference game we've seen between a pair of 0-3 teams in their league that you're ever going to see. Uh, I'm not worried about Baylor. I think they'll they'll figure some things out. I don't think it's an I'm, overreaction. I'm a little worried about them. I'm a little worried about them, Fanta. And like we could tie this into the conversation about Kansas State at because Kansas State at Baylor was a thrilling matchup. But yeah. Baylor, like the, that's the why defense, I'm not worried about them. The, the defense lost. just isn't quite there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not the same level of defense for this team. So I, I'm when you say the same level of defense, like they've been national championship contenders. Like we're talking about getting out of the tournament. That's what I mean. That's you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a big thing. Like, we've become so accustomed to watching Baylor being national title contenders. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is this team that? I don't think no. so. But I, but I think, you know, it's a tournament team. It's a tournament team. It's a tournament team. I, it's still I, a I team I wouldn't you. want to play. In right. I, I agree with you. But I just – I in a league that is as difficult as the Big 12 is, like, I I think that Scott will find a way to, to kind of put it together. And there's too many good guards on that team. But mm-hmm. it's it's I don't know like I, they to me it kind of feels well, like eight, nine, they, eight, nine they've season. lost they've lost back to back games in the Big Twelve by a combined three points. Fair. North Carolina was in the Final Four. They were an eight seed. Fair. Oh, yeah. So I mean, you want to hear a wild stat about the Big Twelve? There have I been didn't... fifteen Big Twelve conference games so far this season, right? Fifteen. Nine of those fifteen, when they ended, it was either when that regulation ended, it was either overtime. Or the final score was a one possession game. Nine <laughs> of the fifteen games. That's, that's an insane. Awesome, that's an ins- that's an awesome stat. It all is. five road teams won the Big Twelve on Saturday. Really? Yes. Yeah, all five road teams. The league is ridiculous. There's yeah. no way you can project this conference. Can I, it's just. Can I say hard. something? I, I want to say something about the Big Twelve for just a moment, and I'm being right. careful here with what I say, but I I, I got to be oh candid boy. with you. Oh boy. You you, you got to get the majority of your games on linear television. Yes. Yes. The fact that the game of the season, I couldn't watch on my TV, right? I had to watch it on my laptop. I had to watch it on my computer. It, it's baffling. You got to be able to do it. Since when did the Big 12 become Pac-12 Network, right? Like if you and, can't and watch change a game. Is coming. On- change is coming because they got some network deals lined up and we're going to see more Big 12 games on not just cable television, but big, big broadcast TV. Hey, it's coming. You could get you could get the field of 68 broadcasting Furman against Stephen F. Austin on your TV. If you just use the YouTube app and I couldn't get the, the, the game between Baylor and Kansas state, which for my money was the game of the year to date, the best game that we've seen this season to date. I couldn't get it on my TV without like air dropping it there or air playing it. It's just, it's insane. By the way, I got another stat for you guys. Buckle up. You ready for this? Marquise Noel. Marquise Noel last two games has 68 oh. points. 23 assists in the last 10 years. There have been three players that in a two game stretch had 65 points and 20 plus assists. One of them was Marquise Noel. Can you guys guess the other two? It should be obvious. It should be very, oh, obvious. Uh, I, know the, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to, I'm going to let Fanta. Yeah. 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 Uh, Trey young. Yeah. Trey young is one of them. And the other one should be obvious. Yes. All American number two pick in 2019. Played for Murray State. Oh, John Morant. John Morant. John Morant. So um, with that said, we can move on to the third overreaction. Wow, great stat. You need to tweet that. I, it's been it's been tweeted and mentioned on uh, every field of 6-8 thing that I've been on for the last few oh, years. So. Phenomenal. <laughs> All right, uh, T.O., we're going to you first on this one. I feel like this one is a little bit of a hot take, but I, I'm still, I'm still kind of here for it. All right, overreaction number three, John Shire. He ain't ready for the ACC. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Hey, look, there's growing pains that come with coaching. 
Like if you want to look back at like, I, I had this conversation this morning. I did a radio hit out of Charlotte this morning. It's like, you got to wait and give my man a little time because there's growing pains. And it's not like coach K was like easing him into it. Like he, John Shire was coach K's assistant coach all last season. There was no like, Hey, I'm going to let you run this. I'm going to let you do this. No, that was coach K's show. Like there's going to be some times where he's going to be difficult. I almost want to, I almost want to reach out to him and be like, Hey man, are you okay? After that NC state game, did you all see the post game presser? My no. man needed a nap. Like I was, I, I was a little like, go back and look at his face. He's like, you know, we just got to figure some things out. I was like, poor John, man. You know, he's stressed out of his head. Like give him, give him time. He's the right guy for the job. He's the right guy for the job. We can be as negative as, as we want about Duke. They're still 12 and four. They're still going to be okay. Like, I think NC State's a tournament team. I yeah, I do too. I think Wake Forest is a tournament team. I think Purdue is a tournament team. I think Kansas is Small a tournament team. Tio, now you're going to step too far. I think Purdue, I think Kansas is a tournament team. That's their four losses. That's their four losses. <laughs> and they've had some pretty good wins. They beat they beat Ohio State. They beat Xavier. Like oh, they're they're dancing. They're dancing. They're dancing. Like they're is gonna be Wake fine, Forest like, a tur- is Wake Forest a tournament team? I think they'll find a way to get there. Yep. Yeah, they, they their quad one situation is pretty nice this year. Like last year, they they didn't have any quad ones. This year, they do. They're going to be fine. They have two yeah. quad one wins. You're right. All yeah, right. So yeah, yeah Wake Forest is going to make the tournament this year. Honestly, uh, honestly, I think the biggest takeaway from anything that's going on with Duke right now is, hey, you know, when you got a bunch of freshmen on your roster and a new head coach, it would be nice yeah. if your point guard didn't have a fucked up toe. Dude, let me tell you something. I've I've dealt with turf toe. That is that is nothing yeah. to sneeze at. Yes, like that hurts. is painful. Like every pivot, every turn, every like step, like it hurts. And let, let's look at it this way too. This kind of goes back to the what we were talking about earlier today. Like this extra year of eligibility, that's a really good bunch of freshmen. Now they're playing against twenty three and twenty four year old men as opposed to twenty two year old men. Big difference. Like big yeah. difference. Look around the conference. Look around the ACC. And it also it also look around the, look around the Big East, Fanta. Bunch of old dudes. Half of them got mortgages. Yeah. And like, it's a bunch of old dudes this year. And it, it also doesn't help that like this this year's freshman class just was not that you got you got Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, who were probably the two best freshmen in the recruiting class, right? But they ain't Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett, you know. Like it's that's that the reason I yeah, that's that the reason I'm how important Jones. So like not every five-star freshman is the same. Not every t- number one freshman is the same. Same way I said that like this year's number one team would be like a seven or eight, the seventh or eighth best team in a different season. This year's number one recruit would be like the seventh or eighth best recruit. Here's a perfect example why the Thompson Twins are playing overtime elite and Scoot Henderson's in the G League United. Imagine if they were if they were on Duke. Oh, this year. If they were at Duke. Well, if Scoot if Scoot was at Duke, we'd be having a very different conversation. Yeah, that Duke can go. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, no, that, that's that, why Jeremy Roach was so in- incredibly important to them, and that's why I thought he would have a good year, and he's had a decent enough year. So, well, I, it's, ahead, it's hard. Like, I, I know, I know, Fanta is the biggest anti-Jeremy Roach guy on the planet. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with yeah. you. But like, it's, <laughs> it's he he was having a good season until like good. this toe thing popped up, and that was it was Iowa, right? It was the uh, wasn't that the game in, in, at the Jimmy V when he heard it? When did he hear? It? I think it was the Jimmy V, right? And he had a great game. Yeah, and he had a great game, and they let me know about it in the hallway. Uh, which, okay, that, I'm glad that Duke listened. Duke did. Us. Duke let you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shire, the players or John? Up, you know, Shire comes up to me in the hallway <laughs> and looks at me and says, "I mean, I told you he would be our most important player. I told this was coming the whole time." And then he's like, you see what just happened? He goes, did you watch the game? Did you watch what just happened? I go, go, he's a great player. And then John's got some shit to him now. John has some shit to him. He is the nicest guy, but man, he's got some shit. He's got, he's got a baby face, man, but he'll let you know. He's got some stuff to him now. He's going to be fine. Jewish Jordan in high school. He ultra contender. And that's why he was pissed off about losing NC state. He's going to be fine. He he's so cut out from the right cloth. I think he's the perfect fit for Duke going forward to like he is such a competitor and and doing a feature on him ahead of the season revealed that everybody around him everybody around him said and like not puff stuff they're like there's just no doubt he'll he'll win and he'll win a lot because he doesn't he refuses to lose that he's that's the common thread he has with Mike Krzyzewski so I'm not saying he's gonna be the next coach K but 
I think let's pump the brakes on our overreactions or whatnot. I think Duke's going to be fine. I think it's a resolve of having freshmen. But I also think, like, for me, the offensive end of the floor for them can be challenging. Because without Roach running the show, you're now counting on, again, freshmen. And Dariq Whitehead's had ups, had downs. He's had injury, obviously. Injuries well, affect this you team. Don't, you don't have an initiator, right? And other than no, Roach, they don't. the only other point guard on the roster is a 17-year-old freshman instead of like a regular freshman. So it's just – it's it was a rough hand that he was dealt. Like that was the one – you could deal with injuries if you're Duke. The one guy that could not be hurt is, is Jeremy Roach, and he's just not himself. All right. I have something to say, though. Don't you dare disrespect Tamir Goodman, Jewish Jordan. Don't you yeah, dare was- disrespect him. <laughs> See, hey, no, that dude no, can play while, too now. That dude can while, play. While we're here, while we're here, this is me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Run the ISO. Run the ISO for TO. TO, why is Clemson the best team in the ACC? You have one minute. Get on your oh, soapbox. Come on. Get on your bandwagon. Come Let on. them know. Let them know come why on. Clemson's the best team in the ACC. You know what happened is they moved their arguably their most athletic player to the point guard spot. He had been playing beside Alamir Dawes, who transferred to Seton Hall, and Al has his flaws, but he also has his strengths. Nick Connor goes from Clemson to Mizzou. He's doing fine there. But what happened was you move those guys out of the way, and Chase Hunter had to slide over the one. So you have this big, strong, dynamic athlete at the point guard position who can guard the point guard position. He can guard the two, the three. You have Hunter Tyson, who's taken advantage of his eighth year of eligibility. And in my mind, guys, like, that's a first-team All-ACC player right now. He's been incredible. He's had a 31-15 and 15 game. I believe it was against NC State a week or two ago. Like, he has been that guy, and they still have that centerpiece that they can run things through in P.J. Hall. Clemson is that freaking good. Are they going to win the regular season? I don't know. Their schedule's favorable, though. No trip to Miami. No trip to Cameron Indoor. There's only three games on that, on that one, on their schedule that I would be like, ooh, that one's going to be tough. The rest are winnable. Like, this team is for real. They're well-coached, and they're bigger around the perimeter. The roster fits Brad Brownell much better than the last few seasons when he's trying to play too small, whenever he was 5'9 and six foot at the one and the two. Now they're bigger. Now they get to spots faster, and they've gone to the bigger lineup ever, ever since losing from Loyola Chicago. They've gone to a bigger lineup with R.J. Godfrey, Hunter Tyson, and P.J. Hell at the 3-4-5. And then they have some athletes at the 1-2 and two with Chase Hunter and whoever hell else they play at that two spot. This is going to be a very good team, a very tough out uh, for any team the rest of the season. And they are that good. They are that good. Yep. All right, Fanta, overreaction number four. Arizona has been exposed. That's not an overreaction. It's a proper reaction. They have been exposed. And what they've shown is a couple of things. Number one, they don't possess a lot of depth. They basically go 16. Hmm. And number two is if you get up in Kirk Risa and Courtney Ramey and guard them and pressure them and really pressure the ball, and you say, you know what? Azulis Tubelis is a great player. He's going to get his. He's going to get his. Kind of like Zach Eadie's getting his, guys. But then you say, defensively, we're going to guard the perimeter like our lives are on the line. That we could take away Arizona. Arizona's guard play is frenetic. As much as we love Kirk Creesa, and when he's great, he's great. And you and Headband Kerr is great for college basketball. There's inconsistencies. And it's honestly startling because... Upon facing Tennessee, after that game, we're sitting there saying there's a reasonable case to make Arizona the best, if not second-best team in college basketball at the moment because they beat Tennessee's great defense. But now what? Now what? Just just 61 points against Washington State. They could have very well lost to Washington. They only score, score 70 points in that game. By their standards, that's not who they've been. 
So offensively, this team is struggling. And I think it goes back to the fact that, like, you know, at the end of the day, Ramey's transferring for a reason. He's a quality player. Uh, Kirk Kreisa is a quality player, but he can be up and down. Their backcourt doesn't have total elite consistency. And in the Pac-12, a, a, a league with, at the end of the day, quality coaches, coaches that that are better than than one might think, like teams are going to expose you. And I think that that's what happened here with Arizona. So let me catch up here. So Washington State pressured the ball. That's what happened. And they made those guys struggle. You look at whenever you guard big teams, a lot of a lot of guys, the first thought they do is, hey, we're going to back off a little bit. Yep. We're going to try to protect the, 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 pay, the pass into the paint. Well, if you look at recent memory, just two games that stand out to me, for example, Washington State, Arizona, you pressure the guards. You pressure the guards like crazy. Those post players do their best to push out post players to make them operate one dribble more out yep. from the paint. Yes. Just one dribble. Your efficiency goes down drastically. Just one yes. more dribble. Further out away from the paint. Who's another team that just lost with a really good big man? They just won the next game. Purdue and Rutgers. Purdue and Rutgers. What does Rutgers do? They pressure the hell out of your guards. Oh, pressure the hell out of your guards, and they're exceedingly physical. They made Zach Eady catch that ball two, three feet further out. And what that does, it adds a dribble. Your efficiency goes down. Like that's that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to that. So there is a, a method to that madness. Now it's not easy to guard Kirk Crease of, you know. 94 feet or whatever. It's not easy to guard Courtney Ramey 94 feet. But what you can do is you can pressure some of these passes into the post and push them out. If they're just a little bit off, it screws up timing. Yes. And mm -hmm. Arizona, who plays at that pace, you screw up their timing, it slows them down to where to a point to where they might be a little uncomfortable. And can I can I say something about Kirk Kreese's headband? That's not a headband. That's one of those volleyball players I have to keep my head, my my hair down. He, he mixes headband. it up. He needs he's, to get he needs to put a regular headband on. That you think that's the problem? Is he's going with the yeah? That's what it is. He yeah, says the, he's, he's going, going with the, the cheerleader headband. headband. He told me the thicker headband is too hot, so he has to go with the smaller headband because he he sweats a little too much. And then um, he had, will, and then, so he's just keeping this little cheerleader headband to keep up appearances with the headband curve shirt. I I guess so. Um, the one thing well, you that need I will to change add, the design of that shirt and give him a little shoestring around it. <laughs> the one thing I will <laughs> add to that is. So much of what Arizona gets is when they're running the floor. I don't know if you would necessarily oh, yes. call it transition, but it's it's running the floor, right? It's big guys yep. beating each other yes. down the floor. The easiest way to get those uh, th those opportunities is getting stops and getting the ball out because when you got to take the ball through the net and take it out of bounds and inbound it, it just adds another step, adds another second, makes it that much easier for the defense to get back. Uh, the last three games prior to the Arizona State game, Arizona led the nation in field goal percentage, right? Led the nation. The last three games, they have shot under 40% from the floor, 38% against Arizona State, 36% against Washington, 32% against Washington State. So part of the issues that they're having offensively is because they're they're not getting stops and they're not getting the easy buckets. And we don't get out and run. That's one thing that'll stop you. Um, coming up here, Panta, overreaction number five. Yes. After beating... Big Ten leaders, Wisconsin, Illinois, is officially back, baby. They're one and three in the Big Ten, but they are back. Coleman Hawkins dropped 20. He was six for nine, a very nice 66.6% .6 from three. Coleman Hawkins is back, baby. Non-directional school. Non-directional school. It was a not a directional school. He had 24 points, Terrence Shannon. He is back. The Illini, Daddy Brad, they are back. Daddy is no longer mad. I'm going to let you go there, Fanta. That's an overreaction. Fanta took his glasses off. I'm going to let him go. That's an overreaction. And I like <laughs> the Illini's potential upside. If you're power ranking the Big Ten, you sit there and you're, frankly, you, you're in a conundrum because you're trying to figure out what happens after Purdue and how you would place these teams. A lot of tournament teams, but could be a lot of teams mixed in 7, 10, 8, 9 games, those types of games. Here's the thing. Illinois is not back. Um, they are an inconsistent basketball team that has some issues in their locker room. And when you have issues in your locker room, you don't know what you're getting day to day. Mm. You do not know what you're getting day to day. So as quickly as it could be good, it's as quickly as it can be bad. I also think that there's some edge that comes out when teams in the Big Ten play Wisconsin. 
And I think Wisconsin was due for a loss. And Illinois doesn't like Wisconsin. And other teams don't like Wisconsin because they're just this tough, rugged team that doesn't seem to give a damn what you think. And they're going to play chippy. They're going to play gritty. And they're going to grind you down. Well, it's it's hard to do that in Champaign. And Illinois had to come into Wisconsin. They delivered. got a lot of coaches' sons on that team, right? A lot yeah. of guys that just play the right way. Man, play right? the right They're way. Always I, the first one in the gym, the last one to leave the gym. A lot of guys like that. Huh? It's a- that's right. And <laughs> Illinois, exactly the the broadcaster cliches. Here's the thing about Illinois. Illinois doesn't lack toughness. Illinois got toughness. Illinois got got an it factor that when they switch into another gear, they can play great basketball. But connectivity is something that's come and gone with the mixture of freshmen and upperclassmen. I'm not exactly sure. And and transfers, of course. I'm not exactly sure still if I can trust that team. And that's why, T.O., I cannot sit here and say that the Illini are back. Overreaction. Just because you don't know what you're getting from night to night. I I think that's the big thing. Now, that, that all being said, the team still has talent and they're still trying to figure it out. But you want to talk about, I talked about uh, for Brad Underwood's uh, Christmas present. I was going to get him some Dramamine because they just rock back and forth. They haven't won. They haven't won two in a row. They haven't lost two in a row. And what the last 10 meetings. (laughs) So they're win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Like that is a, that's tough. If you're a coach, like you think you're starting to write the ship a little bit. Now, they do have a good opportunity at Nebraska. Is Nebraska great? No, they're a little improved, but th- that's a, that's your chance to kind of string two together in a row. But you know, over the next three games, Michigan State you, you have at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, Minnesota away, and then you have Indiana at home. That's four that you could win. Now you rattle off those four. We can talk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to agree um, with all of that. Uh, I think the biggest point is 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 the point that I think both of you guys kind of alluded to. Uh, the issue is not the talent. The issue is not the toughness. The issue is uh, everybody kind of getting along, right? Everyone being friends. Everyone kind of running what they need to do, making the extra pass. It's not your turn to go one-on-one, my turn to go around, blah, 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 all that. Um, I think that uh, winning helps solve a lot of those issues, right? And I also think being better defensively, um sky clark i think part of the reason why he uh he was moved out of the starting lineup against northwestern was the uh issues he had defensively he's not really the greatest defender in the world so um i think they'll, they'll be better uh without him anything else to add on illinois if we move on because i got a fun one for the last overreaction we could move on last overreaction the best guy for texas to hire to turn that program into a consistent top five program in college basketball is none other than Bruce Pearl. T.O., overreaction, underreaction, proper reaction, crazy take, hot take, what do you got? I understand the intrigue there, and he would be great at Texas. Let's not get it twisted. He would be great at Texas. I don't think Bruce is going anywhere. I, I just... Initial thoughts, I don't think Bruce is going anywhere. I actually think it's going to – I think they're going to take a swing at Jerome Tang, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Knows Texas was at Baylor forever, and his initial success suggests that he's going to be fine. I I think that could be your guy uh, if you're a Longhorns fan. We talked about him at the beginning of of this podcast, guys. You know who would just kill it? Like you need somebody that's going to showcase the program a little bit. You need somebody with energy. You need somebody that's going to be able to sell the city of Austin to get them to games and to sell recruits to the city of Austin. Freaking Pat Kelsey would kill it. And X and O wise, X and O wise, I'm telling you, he's there and he'd be fine in the Big 12. There, there wouldn't be a drop off there. That's my only thing. That, like, do a lot of people are going to be like, well, did he has he done enough to be warrant consideration from arguably a top 20 job in the country? I don't know. He's won a lot of games at Winthrop. He's going to win a lot of games at Charleston. But I'm telling you from a personality perspective, from an X and O perspective, he's there and he can do it. Well, I think it's a proper reaction to say that Bruce Pearl is a top choice and perhaps the yeah. best choice because he is an elite CEO of a program. He And you have to be at Texas. It's a top 10 job, but it's not a top 10 fan base. All right. 
I like, agree with that. That's a you, good point. You, you got to be, it's a top 10 brand. It's a top 10 job, top 10 resources, but you got to be able to bring people together. And now you really, why, what's the, that? The re, go ahead. Finish your point. Sorry. You really have to bring people together. I mean, now this is more than a basketball hire. This is a human hire that they've got to get right uh, mm-hmm. because they need someone to do things in an appropriate and right way and tone and all that. So here's the thing with Bruce. Bruce is the perfect mix of all those things. He's a quality coach. I think he's maxed out at Auburn. He's done everything he could do at Auburn. He got them to a Final Four. He's proven that they're a consistent force in the SEC. I think if somebody else was coaching Auburn, I don't think you'd see them constantly in the top 25 every year. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. So for me, all roads must come to an end at some point. I think Bruce not only is a fitting choice, but I think in Bruce's career arc that this for him is a natural move. That's my take. Yeah, I, I agree. And and you mentioned selling the program, right? Look at how wild that Auburn Arena fan base is, that Auburn Arena crowd is. They have one of the toughest home courts in the SEC right now. Auburn. Auburn. The, the University of Auburn. The Tigers have one of the toughest home courts in the SEC. Think about that. That was a program that what like no one no one went to games for like two decades between what was it between uh, Chris Porter and Bruce Pearl did anybody actually see an Auburn basketball game in person I don't know if anybody did um, now you let him go and, and sell that new arena all those facilities that we saw down there at Texas I, I just think he he brings a lot of the same qualities as Chris Beard does which is what made Chris Beard such an appealing hire. When they when they when they brought him in, right? He will go out in the community and he will sell it. Now, Jerome Tang will do the same thing, and you're not wrong on Tang at all. Um, I, I would I think Tang is a perfect fit. I think he's a great hire. I would just tend to lean towards hiring the guy that has a proven track record of success as opposed to someone that's done it for 15 games. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think that's Tang is the wrong hire. Right, I mean, 14 and one. So now you're the Texas coach. Nothing against Jerome, but like mm-hmm. I don't know, I. Let's let's see how things play out. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is Field of 68 breaking news. Travis Branham reports at this hour. Hey, everybody, just wanted to pass along a small notice. What begins probably a months long process of Texas figuring out its future as it relates to the next basketball coach, I noted Kentucky Sean Calipari is a name to watch on Eric Bossy's list of candidates. A source tells me at this hour that Texas has contacted Calipari already through back channels. I figure this will be denied by both sides. I live in Lexington and can tell you the vibes are not great between Cal, the administration, fans, boosters, and him. I do suspect that if a competitive offer is made, then Cal would likely jump at it. This has been Field of 68 Breaking News. I, I don't know we got our own music. music. Wasn't that like from three days ago? <laughs> that Travis put that out. When did he put that out there? Well, let's see here. I, no, whatever no, it was, whatever it was, I don't. He put this out today that there's a, that they've now had real dialogue, that there's real dialogue happening. Okay. He put he put out the Cal as a candidate. Now he's reporting that Texas has reached out to Cal. Should Texas hire John Calipari and should Cal leave? Cal, if Cal can get Texas, I think it would make a lot of sense to leave and go get a fresh start. Your life will be a lot less uh, miserable living in Austin with when you don't have every single move scrutinized by a fan base that is dying to win that doesn't want you there anymore. Um, you the salary will be close enough that it won't matter, right? And he probably has enough in the bank that it doesn't matter. He he's. His his grandkids grandkids are going to be able to to be just fine. I, I think if you're Cal, you jump at that opportunity to get the soft landing because um, you'll probably be able to bring your recruiting class with you from Lexington oh no question to Austin. yeah yeah. Of uh, but what I would also say is this: uh, if you're Texas, no, no, you're Texas. You can go out and get oh, whatever kind of innovative. Not, no, no, you need so you don't need a recruiter there. You need someone that is going to be able to play good basketball that will be able to get people in the seats. I, no, I think no. I think Man, no if you're Texas. Shaka Smart would be great at Texas. <laughs> Honestly, Shaka playing the way that he is right now at Marquette would be pretty good at Texas. Yeah, here, no, okay, so nope. 
Nope. I'm going against that one because he, uh, I'm going against that one. He, wow, Texas, you're disagreeing? Yeah. I, at Texas, you have to win the offseason. You have to win the offseason too. Like, that's almost as big as the, the games. Like, you got to win the offseason and then you got to win games. Like, what if you win the games? Who cares about the offseason? You think Texas would have been okay going, you know, 12 and whatever over the first three years of Shaka's tenure? I don't think so. And I and I also think like you you have to get five star guys. You got to get them to play together, and that is a coaching ringer. The Big Twelve, a ringer. Like you have to be able to keep up on that side too. Can I yep. throw out a name for Texas? Sure, go ahead. I already said Pat you- Kelsey. I'm just going out of, out of the box here, totally out of the box. What about Dana Altman? Um, I think he's a terrific coach. Uh. I don't Nike ties make sense, but like, I don't know. Dana kind of, I don't know if he's looking to get out of Oregon. I don't know where you go from Oregon, um, you go to Texas. but the biggest, the biggest <laughs> issue to me is he is, uh, he's not someone that's going to get out in the community and sell the program the way that I think you need it to be sold. Okay. Right. right. Like, I don't think that you need a basketball coach in there. I think that you need someone that is going to be a promoter. And that's why, like, to me, Bruce Pearl is the guy. You know, Chris Beard, the one thing that he did really, really well was get out in the community and find creative ways to get people involved in the program. Like, one of the things he told us when we were down there was, like, he was reaching out to, like, the big Hispanic populations and giving them tickets, free tickets to games that people weren't going to against kind of, like, buy games, smaller opponents. So now you get that community locked in. All of a sudden, you have a generation of Texas basketball fans that are going to be coming to games. And it's less about it's not about tickets. Like the 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 day to day money coming in from ticket sales for Texas is a drop in the bucket. It's about having butts and seats and people caring about it. People knowing when to yell and when to cheer, when to go nuts. That's why Texas Tech is so hard to win at right now. Well, not right now because you know things have happened there, but um, that's how you get the fans in the seats. All right, but, uh, yeah. I go was ahead. Gonna say get- all. I mean, we haven't been on since. It's the completion of one of the all-time flameouts of a coach in college basketball history. I mean, Chris Beer was in a national championship game in 2019 and had Texas as the number two team in the country five weeks ago, and he is unemployed and won't be employed in some time. So, like, it, it is a – It is a. It is one of the wildest ones. It's yeah. one of the wildest flameouts we have ever, ever seen. Mm-hmm. The guy, went from, the guy went from – Top of the world. It. Yeah, top of the world, number two in the country. Really good team. Moody Center's rocking. We saw him in pinstripes. Like, <laughs> you don't talk about high of highs to the low of lows. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. You just did a Brad Underwood at the podium. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad Underwood, another guy that I think would be very good, uh, a good fit. At Texas, a guy that would do very well there. All right. Um, I told you that I wanted to end the show with the one thing that you're looking forward to this week. It is Monday. Uh, tonight, there is the college football national championship game, but there's a lot of other stuff going on with college hoops this week. T.O., going to you first. What are you looking forward to most this week in college basketball? All right. So Clemson plays Louisville Wednesday. If they can get by Louisville, which conventional wisdom would suggest they would, <laughs> the Dukies come to town. If they're able to do those two games and start out 7-0 and in conference, watch out. My level of shit talk is going to hit an all-time high, gentlemen, and it won't stop on oh, the DTF. Hey, it just will wait. not Clemson, stop. Clemson, UConn of the national title game. Buckle up, fellas. Oh, my Dude, God. buckle up. Buckle up. You want bigs? We got bigs. Oh my God! <laughs> that's what, hey. In all seriousness, that's what I'm looking forward to. If they could get by Louisville, which you would think they would, because Louisville's Louisville this year. Um, that Duke game at home on Saturday is going to be a bear and it's going to be uh, loud in there. I love how T.O. can just, you know, navigate his way between being a Clemson fan and a Tennessee fan whenever he, whenever it seems fit, whenever convenient, whenever convenient, whenever's convenient. All right, fans, what are you looking forward to the most? Wednesday night. Wednesday night may end up being better than Saturday, which doesn't happen often in college basketball where a weeknight ends up better than a weekend day. But, guys, on Wednesday, we have three ranked versus ranked games. Alabama at Arkansas. Fayetteville will be vibrating. That place is going to be off the walls (laughs) on Wednesday night. UConn at Marquette 
I'm going out to Milwaukee for this one. Fiserv Forum is such a great venue. Awesome crowd. UConn gets tested on the road again. Tyler Kolick is having a ridiculous season. UConn's point guard play can be a bit up and down. So what happens in that one? And and how does UConn guard, or how does Marquette guard UConn? Marquette is a team. They're going to be, they're all about spacing and five out. And Oso Iguodaro's having a nice year. He faces his biggest defensive test of the season on Wednesday night. TCU at Texas, high-level game in Austin. Can't wait to see that one as well. Two terrific defensive teams, Mike Miles. On one side, Marcus Carr on the other. It's going to be fun. Then Charleston at UNC Wilmington. Rarely do you see the two teams with the longest winning streaks in the country from the same conference. Rarely do you see the two teams on those winning streaks play each other. Wednesday night in Wilmington at 7 Eastern time. It's the Cougars and the Seahawks. Wednesday's loaded. Pittsburgh and Duke are playing. Creighton's at Xavier. Like, cancel all your Wednesday night plans and watch college basketball. That's a multi-screen night. All right. hey, yep. hey, hey, Virginia Tech at Syracuse. Tune in to your boy. I'll be up there. Yeah, there you go. Last thing I'll say, Marquette. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm buckling up for is the Marquette week that they have. Uh, it's We're going to find a lot, find out a lot about the Golden Eagles this week. But listen, this has been the DTF podcast. This has been fun. It's been your overreactions Monday. I think that we uh, – we, we properly overreacted to just about everything that happened in college basketball this week. So for John Fanta, for Terrence Oglesby, my name is Rob Doster. We will see you guys again next Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.